You're listening to the Library Pros Podcast with Chris and Bob, a techie librarian and a computer IT guy discussing libraries, technology, and all things this side of the reference desk. Thanks, Carl. Hi, and welcome to episode 92, part two of the Library Pros Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Bob. And today we are coming to you from the booth at the Sachem Public Library in Holbrook, New York, and the MS Clark Memorial Library in Setauket, New York. Library Pros Podcast is a bi-monthly podcast, so please subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find podcasts. And please check us out on Twitter at The Library Pros and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Library Pros. Consider leaving a review or telling someone about us because word of mouth is the best way to help our podcast listenership grow. So today is another special episode, and this is part two of this episode where we are having a discussion with the candidates for the American Library Association president. In this episode, we're going to sit down with Kelvin Watson, the executive director of the Las Vegas Clark County Library District. Kelvin is running against Emily Drabinsky, interim chief librarian at the Graduate Center at the CUNY or City University of New York. And before we begin, we wanted to let wanted wanted everyone to know that in the interest of fairness, we'll be asking both candidates the same questions so the membership of ALA can hear in their own words what their vision will be for the future of the organization. So welcome, Kelvin. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast and and to have you discuss your candidacy for the president of ALA, an organization that's recognized worldwide for leadership in our profession. Thank you for having me. Uh, uh, Chris, uh, I'm, I'm glad to be here. All right. So, so Kelvin, just because this is a mainstay of questions, we like to ask all of our guests, uh, who is your favorite fictional librarian and why? So before I get in, because I thank Chris, I didn't thank you, Bob. So thank both of you, the library pros and the podcast for giving me the opportunity to share my thoughts today as ALA members begin to cast their ballots today. Uh, So back in the early 2000s, um, there was a television series you may have watched it called The Librarian, which starred Noah Wiley. Uh, Noah Wiley, I watched him when he was a young man. Uh, on ER. And so Noah played Flynn Carson and Flynn uh, soon discovers that his new library's special collection is quite extraordinary, right? Uh, Which includes things like Excalibur, the Ark of the Covenant and Pandora's Box. And so I like him or his character. One is because I thought the, the program itself was a great analogy for what libraries specialize in which is really, as a child, for me, thinking even as an adult, but transporting me to a wonderful world of discovery. And in my work that I've done over the past 20 years, I've really focused on access, discovery, and delivery of content, regardless of it being physical and or digital. Wow, that's that's good. We've had we've had the librarian before, but that's that's the best description I've ever heard of the show. That's and reason amazing. as to why you have it. Yep, that's the best. <laughs> and he tied it nice. into special collections and all. Wow. Yeah, he got all in there. <laughs> that's great. Okay. So how did you come to librarianship, you know, and what called you to the profession? Because many of us came to the profession as a second career. So is that the case for you as well? Well, Chris, I'll tell you, for me, um, it's actually probably even a third career. Uh, so I came uh, into it after I was an officer in the army and I transitioned into uh, 
I call it the book industry through Ingram Book Company and Ingram Library Services, which then led me into my role of transitioning to the library world. I, I um, was the Ingram Library Services, uh, what was called the um, library processing manager. So I was responsible for all of the physical processing of library material for over 3,000 library accounts at seven distribution centers. And so that was kind of the entry point was Ingram Library Services. But one of the things that happened when I was uh, uh, working at Ingram was I joined the ALA affiliate, the Black Caucus of the American Library Association. Uh, And of course, I was not a librarian, but I joined the organization. I started working in the organization and I was able to actually grow uh, my leadership skills, my service to others outside of Ingram through BCLA. And I had wonderful mentors and still do to this day. A lot of them are you know, my friends, uh, but one mentor that stood out that I wanted to just mention is uh, Mr. Andrew Venable. And I don't know if you know Andy at all or knew Andy, but he was one of the first uh, African-American directors for the Cleveland Public Library. And he had also worked in Washington, D.C., at D.C. Public and was the director at Gary Public Library. And Andy really inspired me uh, and my journey uh, on leadership in this profession because we came from similar backgrounds. He had a business background and he went into libraries. And so he was somebody that I that I uh, that I follow and uh, followed. And, and he mentored me early, early in my uh, in my career. So I, that's how I came. So I came through the military, uh, Ingram Library Services. I worked for Borders, the bookstore chain. And then I went to library school while I was at Borders. Uh, and so uh, and from then on, I haven't looked back after Borders. Uh, actually, I worked for the Library Corporation, but all in leadership and library type roles. That was that was the thing. That was the thing that kind of tied everything together was libraries. Wow. Fellow Borders so, alumni. Fourth or fifth career. That's pretty good. <laughs> so tell us about the exciting uh, role as executive director of the Las Vegas Clark County Library District and how you think it prepares you for the office of the president of ALA. Well, um, Las Vegas Clark County Library District, uh, we have uh, 25 branches, over 8,000 square miles. Um, you know, I was, I've been here a year as director uh, a little over a year. I came from Broward County Libraries, which had numerous libraries as well, 38. Um, And so, you know, I've had the opportunity to lead in some large library systems in my career, not just Las Las Vegas, but I was the chief operating officer of the Queens Library, a Broward County executive director, um, executive, um, executive director here. And I also worked at the National Agricultural Library as well. So I'll say all of these roles have prepared me to be the office uh, to lead the office of ALA president. One of them is because um, I've had the opportunity to do some very innovative uh, work, especially when it came comes to virtual libraries and programming, delivering virtual services, for example, on the 400 buses here in southern Nevada within a year. So people talk about the ALA presidency only being a year and how difficult it is to get things done. I've worked in numerous large multi-million dollar library systems. This one, uh, approximately $80 million system, 25 libraries, 700 employees. And I've got a list 
of things, uh, and I'll say a litany of things that I've gotten done uh, here in the in one year uh, through partnerships and collaborations, working within working within diverse communities, and so that's what's helped me to hone my leadership, organizing, strategic vision, execution, um, and executive director of Las Vegas. That's what I get to do. We implemented a strategic plan called Playbook 2026 last July. The, the bus partnership is one of the opportunities that we said we wanted to do. We wanted to expand our digital footprint, our digital resources in the community. We've already implemented community share with the Clark County School District. Next week, we'll be launching classes from the uh, College of Southern Nevada. We'll be offering classes out of our one of our libraries. Um, we, we're building a STEAM library, all digital STEAM library in Mesquite, Nevada. This was all within a year. I, I mean, again, I can go on and on with just what I've done here, but also my track record has been similar in Broward, and it's also been similar in uh, in um, Queens as, as well. The, you know, one of the things I, I know you guys have more questions, but this is one of the neat things that we're doing in a few weeks. We'll be launching a cell phone lending program to people who are experiencing homelessness here in Southern Nevada. Oh, that's fantastic. So that's amazing. I'm I'm trying to change people's lives and doing it, leading an organization, leading the library to do that. And so, and doing it through the library, being the community hub, the bringing people together, changing people's lives, eliminating pipelines to prisons and creating pipelines to workforce success, literacy, education. That's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. And that prepare, I believe those, the leadership prepares me, but also the inter, the in, innovation, entrepreneurship, and execution also does as well. I love that component, the, especially the, what you were saying about, God, you, you're doing so many different things. But the thing that really, that is something that's near and dear to my heart is the steam, STEM steam stuff, because that's, I manage a makerspace and um, part of what this podcast is, is part of that. So in terms, and, and you were talking about um, that entrepreneurial spirit and fostering that and, and affecting people's lives every single day. That's why I think I'm speaking for myself and Bob, you can tell me if you feel the same way. That's kind of the moral of the story. That's kind of like the thing that you look forward to every day is affecting people's lives, helping people, bringing them somewhere that they needed to get whether it's physically, whether it's mentally, whether it's in their career, whether it's just trying to make a photocopy or send a fax. And yep. that's what we do. And it, it's such a unique profession to be in because we're the only government or quasi-government agency, with the exception of a fine, which is even going away, that we don't charge you for what you're going to do when you enter the building. You're not coming to pay a fine. You're not coming to pay a fee. You're not coming to have the government take from you. We're actually giving to you and giving for free. So in terms of that, and not only that, you have professionals there that love what they do and are eager to do the old throw the coat on the mud puddle so you don't get your shoes wet. You know, that's what we do. We're there to help every single day. So nail on the head. Absolutely. Hey, Chris, can I add one other thing? Sure. That strategic, that strategic plan is a... And we, and again, I don't call it plan. I, I, I describe it as a plan, but that strategic playbook is an all-inclusive playbook to include all of our library workers. 
So that's the library professionals. That's me as a librarian. That's uh, the the couriers who drive the the trucks to deliver books. So so it it's all inclusive, and so the work is done from the bottom up across the organization and top down. So so everyone has a role to play, and then you take that playbook, and we've been able to distill it down into layers so that we have an overarching one for the organization for the library but then every branch has a strategic playbook as well that they're executing and in every area within the library within the branch has a strategic playbook and so it builds on that and then at the end of a year you can actually see the actions and what was actually done and delivered and it's, it's it like is, a it's deliberate too <laughs> yeah Yes, it's very deliberate. I, I'm a very deliberate person. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got it right, Kelvin. You know, I mean, we've talked to so many people, and what you what 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 really um, is different in you is that you execute. You know, we followed you since Queens, and uh, we had you speak for us at uh, at our conference way back then. And just the execution, how fast you got things done, how how well they were done. Um, you know what you did what you did over there is just just amazing. So you definitely have. Um, that's what I think a lot of people miss. People can plan, people can meet, people can talk, but execution is where a lot of the people miss it. And that's what we really need is execution, you know, because uh, it's where the rubber meets the roll. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're running for office for what many people around the world consider a beacon of light and guidance in our industry. What's your vision of ALA and what do you, and, and do you think you can expire, inspire, inspire, not expire? <laughs> wow, Chris, good job. Do you think you can inspire meaningful change during that single year? Now we know that it's actually three years, but there's that one that it's the it's that part of the Oreo that's the best part of the Oreo, right? It's that middle yeah. part. You know, and we were just talking about it. Bob uh, was just talking about it. You know, Chris, you guys have been following me since Queens. Um, one of the things that I think sets me apart as a library leader, I believe is that I can inspire people to do and get things done. Cause I don't do this by myself, but I'm able to inspire people because they believe in it. They believe in it. And one of the reasons they believe in it is because they see the track record as well. So they were like, they, so they follow it. Right. Um, I used to, I was in the army, as I mentioned, uh, I was an infantry officer. And if you know the infantry, uh, the motto is follow me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I still live by that mantra, I guess, to say, follow me, but it's not just follow me. Cause I have to inspire you and lead you to follow me. And I don't have to, and leadership is not because of the position. It's because I earn it. And so I feel as an experienced leader, uh, in, in, prep in preparing to lead ALA, that I pride myself on being an active listener, problem solver, relationship builder. I certainly focus on diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility and access. But my commitment is to get things done. It's also to be visible and engaged with all sections of people and areas, divisions, roundtables, work groups. Of, you know, um, I was talking to a few, so some affiliates um, uh, a few months ago, early in this campaign, 
And one of the things that they said was that after our conversation and the things that I did after the meeting, I made them feel included in an organization that they hadn't been, that they hadn't felt included in. And so that's what I would be doing. I'll, you know, I'm not afraid to travel and get on, get out there and do things, but I'm also one who has leveraged virtual programming and virtual uh, communication pre-COVID. I've been doing this delivering programs virtually back since the, my uh, probably the National Agricultural Day, you know, but so during these tours, virtually listening, uh, I mean, understanding the concerns of the of the members, but also being agile and flexible enough to learn quickly and also to implement innovative and creative programming and innovative ideas around those. I think there's so much untapped wisdom and experience among our members that we could benefit from. And I intend to provide each and every member the opportunity to share their best practices with me and so that we can leverage uh, and move libraries forward and demonstrate to our allies and our advocates and our partners that share our values that we are the best and libraries have the best practices and we deliver on supporting our communities uh, by, by operating the way that we do. Makes a lot of sense. It really, really does. I love that. Yeah, follow me. The, the follow that's, me that's thing a, is great. I love every yeah, I love second it, of it. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that, that's what they deserve, right? I mean, our members deserve the best. So that's, and the, and the best is, is um, I don't want to say quick execution, but, but strategic ex- execution, right? strategic vision and execution. You have, you have to have a strategy, but you also have to be agile, right? We, you know, I, I used to work in, uh, as I said, in Ingram. So I learned about software development, right? The old waterfall method and how long it took to get something right. And by the time you got something that was, it was, you know, it was outdated. And so when I learned agile, uh, and you you may remember this, Bob, uh, Chris, too, as well. But I learned agile software development when I worked for the library corporation. And so I decided when I went to Queens Library and I was in roles to do that, that I wanted to implement agile, the agile software development process into our programming, into our collection development, into our. And so I, I made the agile development process, not just about IT, but about the entire organization. And that's what you saw in Queens. Well, it's interesting you say that too, because we always talk about when librarians come to the profession, like it's most of the time, unless you're like the the 1% of people, you come from someplace else and you bring that toolkit with you. You bring that bag of, of quote unquote stuff. You're bringing in the military, you're bringing in Ingram, you're bringing in borders, you're bringing all those things. And and even I'm loving the language that you're using, strategic, implementation, inclusion, all of these things are deli- – I can tell you're being very deliberate in your approach to this because you want to be more than just talking the talk. You want to walk the walk as well. And And I think that's, like you said before, is where the rubber meets the road. Yes, it is. Talking is uh, – you know, I, I – uh, uh, I have one meeting, maybe two at the most, but I, again, I've, because I've worked in organizations in businesses actually, where we have 15, 20 meetings and nothing is done. And 
if you take the track record, again, my track record, I put an airport, I put an all-digital library in an airport in Florida. <laughs> right? No, who, right? Nobody's, and I also take risks, right? That everybody was like, oh, you're going to bankrupt the library if you do that. But really, what we did was we found another way to market the library to the local community. And we had more people who lived in Broward County getting library cards and using the service. And literally about 2% of the users were from some other places in the country. Wow. That makes a difference. The bus, the bus thing that we're doing here, it's also available to visitors as well. So if you're a visitor, you get a 14-day library card to access our overdrive access for our overdrive resources while you're here in Las Vegas. Wow. That's wonderful. <clears throat> that's outside the box. And that's what this, this sorry, sorry, library land. This is what the library land, this is what library land needs. You need somebody who think you need somebody who thinks outside the box and isn't afraid to, to pierce that. That's the way we've always done it phrase. And it, it, it blow it up, basically blow it up and think big and think marketing, real marketing, not just a newsletter and thinking about how you can reach out. And the fact that you're hitting a population in an airport where they're getting a 14 day pass for overdrive, that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Well, I know we got some more questions, but I'll share this with you. I'm working on a project right now with UNLV and a vendor partner to actually deliver library resources to the 39, 40 million people who come to Las Vegas on the strip. So that's what I'm working on right now. Wow. That's great. Wow. That is something else. <clears throat> so Kelvin, under your leadership, what will ALA do to attract, foster, and support people from diverse backgrounds to join the profession? Well, I'll say they attracted me. Uh, I'm the first uh, Spectrum Scholar, actually, to uh, stand for this office. I'm a 2006 Spectrum Scholar. I'm also a, uh, an Association of Research Library Diversity uh, Scholar participant as well. And so, you know, a significant way to attract professionals with diverse skills is by changing the way that we look at libraries, right? The way we look at things, right? For, if one of it is actually the way we look at diversity, right? You, we just, Chris just mentioned all of the things that I've done in my background that I'm bringing to the, the role potentially as ALA president. That's diversity. You know, I've lived in different parts of the country. That's diversity. And so I strive on doing that. And that's what I want to do when you talk about bringing in diverse backgrounds to the profession. Talking to our allies and our uh, our advocates, right, who aren't working day to day in libraries, but who can be ALA members as well. That's how you that's how you expand our membership and you expand diversity. We need to think about the larger needs of the people that we, uh, that we serve and uh, our customers, our members, and what professional skills are needed to assist them, right, as well. So it's not just talking about creating marketing newsletters. It's actually demonstrating that marketing can be done on the side of a bus rolling down the street that it can be done at bus stops, for example, or airports or wherever, because folks who are coming in uh, and that's how you also market and communicate differently to broader, uh, the broader community, right? Who want to 
potentially change professions. We talked about this being second careers, right? Well, what if we connected more in our communities as libraries with web developers and school teachers and nurses and graphic designers, military veterans, you know, to create that pipeline um, of, of folks coming into the profession. And so I believe the focus and emphasis should be on, you know, when you're looking at positions, it should be on the needs of the position and the actual work and the versus diversity of skills that people bring to that, uh, as well as having the role in place for people who have MLSs and MLISs, you know, as well. And so I think we can coexist and expand. And that's how you diversify. You make it intentional to be inclusive and not exclusive because a person may not have the MLS. I hired, a, a, I hired someone to be a community engagement manager at Broward County Libraries. She had an ED in education. She went on to get her MLS, actually, within the, the two years. But she joined us not with the MLS. That's how you do it. That's intentionally making decisions, bringing people in to do the job that fits, uh, bringing a person in that fits for the, for the work that's needed. So. There you go. And, it, you know, it, in terms of, you know, attracting people to the profession, too. I think you hit you hit it again with if you inspire people, then they come to you. So inspiration is a big part of that. Well, I've already inspired at least three people to join Las Vegas Clark County Library District in the last year from Florida. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> That's, that's I mean, we're from Long Island, Kelvin. You can inspire us to come join you too. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll come down. I'm sure you need a podcast or some sort of. Uh... Hey, we actually have a podcast uh, at studio, studio wow. in our East that's... Las Vegas library. Uh, we have a podcast studio, yeah. so uh, definitely, and we're building. We're building more now that uh, now that I'm here. That's awesome. <laughs> that's the wave of the future for us. I'm telling you. Yeah, it really is cool. So how's the pandemic and the profession's movement to online meetings and interactions with patrons, customers, or stakeholders impacted the profession? And what is your vision of the future? And how does that look like in a hybrid world, including professional development for members of library land? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I think I've lived sort of in the future for a while in my career, uh, you know, by working with innovative technology and uh, offering library resources to communities that I that I've served, right? Um, I put Zinio, which was a magazine uh, service, we put that in the hospital in Queens. <laughs> so, I mean, I've been in the future for a few years before COVID, right? Where I was making and helping to lead organizations to make resources more accessible outside of the library walls, working with hospitals working with again buses but other or other entities you know when covid hit in broward we the school system we already had approximately 80,000 or so students who already had a digital library card we we set that up in 2017 the year that I came to broward county <laughs> so so we were ahead of i think the pandemic you know the movement and so 
you know, leveraging technologies has also, as you know, helped library staff by creating new efficiencies that have given them more time to focus on collection curation, for example, and programming. You know, we had this, you know, libraries had to pivot, especially, you know, mostly public libraries. You know, that's what I'm talking to, you know, what I'm talking about. But I was just on a panel uh, a couple of weeks ago with uh, Mr. Earl Graves. He was talking about um, how in his institution, academic library, they're talking about virtual reality and augmented reality in, in the academic spaces. And so, again, I think the pandemic has made us a lot of us move if we hadn't already been there. I know I'm not the only one, but I certainly have been one who was, you know, ahead of this. And so I'm very comfortable and familiar with how technology positively impacts everything um, and the customer experiences and program access um, that we that we need to provide. I just talked about a project that I'm working on to deliver content to hotel rooms, you know, through people's televisions, right? Uh, or through the, uh, what is it, the, the wall that people exercise in front of, right? Oh, the Peloton type of thing, right? The Peloton type of <laughs> wow. thing, right? Yeah. So, so for me, you know, I, I'd say the, the, the pandemic has underscored the important role of libraries in our communities in bridging the digital divide. I talked about cell phone lending, right? I have rural areas here in um, in, in my area where I'm, you know, trying to get some funding together and I'm working on that to, so that people in some of the rural areas where it's poor broadband access, that they can just use the library's Wi-Fi in their homes. That's the type, that's real work, intentional changing this and leveraging, recognizing what the pandemic has done. And with the shutdown of public places, limiting, you know, essential services, we saw that. We saw vulnerable customers on our parking lots and sleeping outside the libraries and, you know, so, you know, teachers in their cars, you know, accessing our Wi-Fi so that they could, so that they could teach virtually. So if that, you know, that's what, that's one of our roles. It's certainly, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, saying that cities and counties and other folks, that's not their roles, but their roles are certainly to help us support communities as well so that we can bridge the the, uh, the gap with the internet access, provide more job training, career services, uh, homework help, all of that, the small business resources with all these entrepreneurs. Uh, and so going forward, we, we've stepped up, libraries have stepped up, but I see us even stepping up even more through the innovative, you know, uh, opportunities that are ahead of us. We're going to have to do it with some funding, but if funding isn't available, we're going to have to do it through partnerships and advocacy so that we can provide equity and access to everyone in our communities and the communities that we serve. So that's what I, that's what I see. The professions movement is, you know, online, you know, again, I was already there, but I know that, um, you know, more of us are here. This is this is our reality. This is the reality. Now we have to figure out and develop strategies and plans on how we manifest in this reality. I'm speechless. Wow. And pivot's the right word too, you know, because we were we were so I mean, we had to what do they say? Necessity is the mother of invention. Is that what they say? Right. Yeah. So we had we had to invent ways to serve the public when it didn't include our library, our building. You know, everything that we have been working, you know, for the for the last 10 years to say 
these four walls within these four walls, building the community center. And then all of a sudden we couldn't use it, you know, and all of a sudden we had to go, we had to, we had to be prepared to pivot, like you said, Kelvin, and, and offer those same services, if not better to people while they were at home or on the street or in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And I always say, Bob, that uh, the library is wherever you want the library to be. <laughs> the library, yeah. I mean, Wow. That's a great slug line right there. (laughs) You know, um, and that with that, we have to continue to invite the uninvited people who don't feel invited into either our physical spaces and or our digital spaces. That and that's through reaching out the outreach efforts during schools, um, you know, here in. So I'm a lot. So I have a library district here. There are three other library districts in my area in Southern Nevada with the school project that we're working on and deliver that we did. Uh, we're the largest, of course, Las Vegas Clark County Library District. And, you know, what I told the other three districts is we serve the same students. This is a countywide school system. I am going to deliver content for the entire county. No contributions from you. This is what we have to do. This is what we need to do. And we're doing it. And so that's, uh, you know, you guys said it earlier, intentional, deliberate, get it done, make decisions and and, and make it happen. And and we're doing that here with the school system here. Uh, Again, no cost to the school district, no cost to the other three districts that also serve students in the county. Wow, that's incredible. And I think that the best part about it is it, look, anybody can talk about this in the grand scheme of things, but it's the implementation is what is the most impressive is, is that implementation. Agreed. Yeah, that, that execution is, is that execution is just, it, that's what it's all about in the end. Yeah. Yep. Well, if you want an ALA president that's going to get some execution, I believe I'm the execution person. In a year, you've uh, only been, you've only been in Las Vegas for a year, right? Yes, and only and a year. Uh, my I started mid February, uh, and I only gave you a, a a short list of the uh, the things that we've gotten accomplished. We're we're talking about building a new library in West Las Vegas, a forty million approximately forty million dollar library in West Las Vegas. We've already started. We're having. Uh, we've already had our initial community meetings. We already have the uh, the land, quote unquote, five acres of land. We already have argument. So this is not waiting for people. And this is actually, again, um, we talk about execution, right? And, and intentional, that is key. I can, I mean, I, that's what I've been talking about on the campaign uh, trail, not just talking about it. You can look at my track record and see, here's what I've done in a year. This is what I did in four years in Broward. You know, this is, a, uh, Queens Library was recognized as the 2014, I believe, ALA Library of the Future. Broward County was 2020 ALA Library of the Future. And I can't share it all yet, but you can probably figure out what's coming next for Las Vegas Clark County Library District. Wow. There's a common denominator there, that's for sure. That's good. <laughs> so I can't wait to hear the answer for this next question. So what would you say to librarians who are not ALA members? What is the inspiration for them to join? You know, I started as earlier and I talked about this, you know, starting my career as a member in an, in a, in an affiliate group. 
and BCLA and how as a member I joined, how I was mentored. Um, and I felt welcomed and I could grow and I did grow. And so that's what it is to be about librarians who uh, are not ALA members. How can I inspire them? I can inspire them by in, inviting the uninvited because they don't feel invited. They don't feel welcome. How, so the first thing you do, the, I think what, what happens is you, you assume that you assume because we're the American Library Association that we've already welcomed them. Right. <laughs> but if you don't actively engage and actively intentionally do something just like with EDI, EDI, that's, now, you know, in some cases of, uh, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, that's, you know, they're all kind of buzzwords. But if you're not actively, intentionally executing, like changing your, 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 your hiring, um, you know, on your job, uh, uh, job ads, that you have not just a statement, that you actually have a statement that actually says, these are the people that we want to join our organization because this is the, these are the people that we are. And that's where you have to get back to, Bob, is that the inspiration is to, to first, first invite them and make them feel welcome, but then, then share with them the opportunities to be mentored. Share with them the opportunity to say, if you have a, um, a problem with relocating, you're a, new, you're a newer librarian in the profession, or you, or you get a job opportunity and you can't afford to move, right? From Long Island to Las Vegas. So you know what Kelvin has done? I have already started working. If, if, I'm, if I'm elected LA president, I am going to initiate a relocation fund that will, be, that will mirror the Leroy Merritt Humanitarian Fund. I've already received in pledges almost $60,000 in pledges towards that fund to help wow. people help my fellow ALA members solve a real problem that they have, right? If you had the opportunity to relocate and move, but you needed 500 extra dollars, for example, that was the difference between moving, or maybe that was the difference between you having, uh, helping out with, uh, with the first month's or last month's rent, for example, right? That's a real solution that I'm trying to provide that I want to provide to ALA members. So you talk about how you inspire, you inspire by saying, this is what I'm doing. This is what we're going to be doing to help our, um, our fellow members provide real solutions to real problems, right? That answers the, the what's in it for me question, you know, by, by saying, you know, like, what, what do I gain from joining ALA, right? What are they going to want from me and what do I get? And I, that kind of assistance could make or break somebody being able to take a, a life-changing position somewhere, you know, and upping their, upping their game in their career. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And that's what, I mean, we got a lot of, there's a lot of problems, right? There's a lot of opportunities, right? We've got what's happening, you know, with, with, with library workers in some, in some uh, places, right? Where there's, uh, not fair wages or there's there's library leaders and directors and other folks being being fired right because of you know because of politics and because of boards and because of uh the intellectual freedom issues right there's a lot of real things that we that we've got to work on but what i wanted to hone on is not 
not hone in on is not just those things, right? I recognize that those are real issues too, and we're working towards to them as a, as a, as ALA. But when you say what can I do specifically, I think as ALA president right away, that's why the fund. That's a that's a I can get that done. But prior to my, you know, becoming that, that what did Chris say, the Oreo in the middle, right, doing that, doing that part, what can I get done before that, right? So if you think about doing 60000 now, how much do you think we'd make if we actually get to that, to that place? You know, that's, those are the, that's the, un, that's the unknown. <laughs> wow. I love the solutions that you've got, though, for, for the issues. It's wonderful. Thank you. So. Outside of libraries, what are your personal interests? How could you possibly be doing anything other than all this? It's amazing. So, and do any of those activities guide or even inspire you with what you do at work? So there's a there's a few, but I'm going to name one in the in the you know because of time, and that is that uh, that I'm a I'm a privileged and lifetime member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. And so Kappa focuses on inspiring and supporting the achievement of black youth through literacy programs, mentoring, veteran support, a leadership academy, and more. Many of our initiatives align with the way library program enriches and elevates in, uh, the communities that we serve. And so it's, it works with my philosophy of inviting the uninvited. The, uh, the also uh, the fundamental purpose of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated is achievement. And so I believe in achievement, uh, but it also goes on to say it's achievement in any field of human endeavor. So the fundamental purpose of the fraternity that I belong to is achievement in every field of human endeavor. That includes librarianship, as you know. So that's what uh, my personal interests and activities. Uh, I participate in my fraternity. I participate in other community activities here as well. Uh, I'm working now, uh, starting to work now with the 100 Black Men of Las Vegas uh, as well. Um, and, uh, you know, beyond that, it's spending time with my family, enjoying my family, going to concerts and spending time with my wife and my children. So I do all of that along with everything else that I do. And so, uh, uh, and, 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 and I'm also working on my MBA as well. Uh, wow. so <laughs> just sprinkle that in the middle. <laughs> just, just put that out there. Yeah. That's great. Well, Chris, you and I have 24 hours a day. I guess Kelvin has 25. I don't know. I guess somehow he stretches it out. Yeah, I don't know. Wow. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. It's amazing. So Calvin, we wanted to give you a moment to speak directly to the membership of ALA and the profession at large, both here domestically and around the world. So our, you know, our friend, the floor is yours. Well, I'll say again, thank you both, uh, Chris and Bob, and, you know, for this Library Pros podcast, uh, which I had, you know, I, I look forward to coming back uh, and sharing. Um, but in speaking directly to the ALA members, um, you know, I also want to thank Emily for her uh, professionalism throughout this, uh, you know, this campaign. Uh, we've had the opportunity to be on forums together and, you know, uh, get to know each other, I think, a little bit better. Um over the past uh, several months. And so um, for the ALA members, it's been an incredible, incredible privilege to hear the concerns and ideas from ALA members, including members from Canada and other places 
you know, uh, around the world as well. And it is with this feedback that I've really formed my my ALA uh, presidential platform. And if I'm entrusted with this important role, I will pursue the following list of priorities that you've helped me to develop. Uh, this is just the beginning of a list that I'm sure will, will grow. And uh, as I move things off, if hopefully uh, that, that we'll be able to, to, to you know, keep it uh, not too lengthy throughout the, the next you know, two years. But I'll continue to seek out your ideas and solutions to challenges that we face together. So first, my plan would include advocating for our role as defenders of intellectual freedom. Second, advocating for safety and fairness in our workplaces. Third, taking steps to realize greater intentional diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility, and social justice for all of our library workers. Next, advocating for our public, academic, school, and special libraries. Next, leveraging our proven uh, or leveraging my proven fiscal experience to raise funds and reinvest in our people and our profession, and last, supporting and furthering ALA sustainability goals. One strong ALA means an ecosystem that it is inclusive of all types of libraries and that, are, that we're financially viable, and that our organization ALA is financially viable. We need to increase our professional and leadership development eliminate duplication, and empower each division, roundtable, and committee. We also need to support and advocate for each member and our profession at all times. I'm a true believer in the power of raising one voice in solidarity for a great cause, and we can do this while still balancing the unique needs and diverse expertise of all ALA members. This is the same philosophy that I use and we use here in managing our branches in this very large library system. There's no competition, there's no debate, no challenges and successes, but regardless of, uh, actually there is, I've said there is not, there is competition, <laughs> debate, challenges and successes, but regardless of the path, we're all unified under one journey that, and that is that strategic playbook 2026. So Kelvin is asking for your, vote for LA president. Uh, so help me in doing that. Um, you know, join me in this journey. I invite you to, you know, visit my uh, website at Kelvin Watson for for libraries.com. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Chris. Well, Kelvin, we wanted to thank you for coming on and, and we were happy to give you both you and Emily an opportunity to sit with us and, and chat about, what your your plans, both of your plans are. Um, so it's been an honor for us to have both you and Emily on. Um, so Absolutely. what we wanted to say was to remember that if you are a member of ALA, ballot mailing for ALA election will begin on March 14th, 2022, and will run through April 6th, 2022. The individuals must be members in good standing to vote in the 2022 ALA elections. To renew your membership online, go to ec.ala.org forward slash membership forward slash renew forward slash login or by calling 1-800-545-2433 and select option one. For more information, visit the ALA election page at ala.org forward slash about ALA forward slash governance forward slash ALA election. And all of these links and information will be in the show notes for this episode as well for 
in Emily's episode as well. So again, Kelvin, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. And we are going to have you back on regardless of the, the, how the election Listen, works out. Regardless of it. So I can share some of this library pros technology stuff that we're doing. Uh, I've got some other stuff that I'm, that I'm working on. That I'd love to share around 3d printing and you're talking about makerspace. I got a new project that I'm working on with that, Chris. So certainly uh, you have me back anytime. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Our pleasure, Kelvin. Take care. Thank you, gentlemen. Take care. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. We have come to the end of another episode of the library pros, and we thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments on this or any episode, click on the contact us form on our website, thelibrarypros.com. Visit us on Twitter at The Library Pros and on Facebook at facebook.com slash thelibrarypros. Don't forget to tell a friend or colleague and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Special thanks to our podcasting engineer, Dean Meyer. Remember, the opinions stated by The Library Pros and their guests are solely those of Chris and Bob and are not those of the Sachin Public Library, the MS Clark Memorial Library, or any other library. See you next time. You've been listening to the Library Pros Podcast. The Library Pros are brought to you by Pippet Productions and by the Library Pros themselves, Krista Christofaro and Bob Johnson. Special thanks to Sachin Public Library for providing space for this podcast. Until the next turn of the page, I'm your announcer, Carlton Welch.